What's up, guys? Welcome back to Ballerverse Podcast, Episode 2. It's your boy, Alishan Milani. I'm here with Usa Babari, the other host of this beautiful sports podcast. And also, you mind telling us what we got on the menu today? Bro, we have a stacked menu today. We're going to start off with some NFL news, some hot topics. We're going to talk about the Redskins. There's been a lot going on there. Then we're going to move into our main course, which is football for the day. So we're going to talk about the MLS. We're going to talk about international soccer. And then afterwards for dessert, we'll wrap it all up with some NBA talk and just some basic news for the rest of the week. All right, so let's get right to it with uh, some recaps from the NFL. All right, so just to talk to you guys a few things about how NFL is going. Training camps are going to be resuming back July 28th. So make sure you guys are all aware that that July 28th training camps will resume. Uh, Also, just some more interesting news that we found out today on our Twitter. Uh, Antonio Brown had just announced that he was going to be retiring from the NFL. Uh, We'll get more news and updates on that and post it on our social media accounts. And also, we'll mention a little bit about it on our next episode. Uh, Also, some concerns about some players with COVID-19 protocols in the NFL. So guys like Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Stefan Diggs, Richard Sherman, Tyron Matthew, all these players all express their concerns to the NFL. And the NFLPA, which is an organization that does help with the safety measures, finances, and all the other things involved with the NFL, have pretty much mentioned that a couple things are going to be happening in terms of COVID-19. So first thing is that they are right now designing a mask. And this mask is actually supposed to be pretty much a visor that they attach to the mouth of the helmet. And right now they don't have the exact look of what this helmet is going to look like. But from what I heard, it's pretty much supposed to allow players to not interact, I guess, breaths with one another. But from also what I heard is the downside of it is that it's hard for some people to breathe with them. Uh, the San Diego Chargers, sorry, not San Diego Chargers, my bad, from a couple LA, years man, back. LA, man, LA. LA Chargers, <laughs> my mistake. The LA Chargers and the LA Rams were the first two teams to utilize these helmets. And these were the pretty much the comments they got back from it was it was very difficult for them to breathe in them. So I know the NFL is right now working with different organizations to get this helmet good to go. And another thing to mention is that Pretty much COVID-19 testing will take in every single training camp, every player will be taking their COVID-19 test. Now, if 5% of the entire NFL testing goes negative and gets better, that means they'll move it from every day to every other day and then so on and so forth from that. So the NFL has responded to these football players and pretty much everyone's concerned with how the NFL is doing their job. So do keep in mind that the NFL is doing their best to make sure that everybody is safe and that they still want to play the sport of football. Also, and I, we're both big fans of the sport. We've played the sport since we were in school. So we definitely love to see these players go out there and do their thing. Um, and Alishan, just right now, I'm looking. I got some breaking news. So oh, the NFL has reached out to the NFLPA and has negotiated – um, a response saying that they will cut out all preseason games. What? Yeah. So I just got this. I just got this news update right now. Um, the NFL has reached out and offered the NFL PA that they will cut out all preseason games. That's a pretty big impact. Cutting out preseason. I mean, yeah. I understand some people think it's not 
like, you know, needed. But that's where a lot of the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted players, that's where they make their mark. That's where we find out what that talent really is. I mean, that's a big I – know, I know they already shortened it from four to two, but now two to none. How do we even figure out what players are worth keeping on the team? Who's going to make the 53-man roster? Don't tell me you're just going to use training camp. I mean, if, if I recall correctly, I remember you were telling me this earlier today, but there was a certain player who outbeat somebody in an NFL quarterback position. Uh, remind right, me let's again let's go name- back to 2011, okay? I think it was either 2011 or 2012. I have to, have to go back and fact check. But Russell Wilson, okay, was drafted in the third round. And that same year, Matt Flynn signed a big contract with the Seattle Seahawks to be their starter. In preseason, that third round pick, Russell Wilson, beat out Matt Flynn in the preseason games. Not in training camp, in the preseason games. Russell Wilson was way better, and he was a day one starter from Seattle ever since. Matt Flynn did not take the starting job after that. So, you know, Russell Wilson for the last almost 10 years has been the starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. There's situations like that. There's situations like many of um, the undrafted players just making it in the league. You have people like Adam Thielen. You have people like, uh, I think Austin Eckler was also like a late round pick or maybe undrafted as well. There's so many other players that are undrafted that have to prove themselves in preseason. That's a pretty big hit. I agree, especially with Jake Fromm. Uh, who's starting under Josh Allen. You have Jacob Eason, who's starting under Philip Rivers. You have Jalen Hurts starting under Carson Wentz. The list goes on and on with our pretty in-depth quarterback class. So we really don't know exactly. Oh, and especially if we're talking about Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor playing for the LA Chargers, I mean, how are we going to see Justin Herbert, you know, throwing long bombs and touchdowns all the way over to his receivers like Keenan Allen and all these other players where – we have no idea how they're going to showcase. So, you know, that actually does take a big hit for all the late round draft picks and also all the under uh, undrafted players as well. And I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll see more developments on this topic as the week goes on, but let's get into uh, the meat of our NFL discussion this week. We have the Washington blanks because they don't have a name anymore. Wait, 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 you're telling me that they changed their name. Their, Their name is gone. The, what? The Redskins no longer is their team name. Finally, after so many years of protest by people saying that we need to change this name, they finally have changed or decided to change the name of their team. So the Washington Redskins are no more. They are the Washington whatever they choose to be. Uh, I think they're going to decide the name very soon. Um, this is big, big news, um, especially with all that's going on with these uh, racial movements and social justice movements. And I think this is a big step that the Washington Redskins have finally taken to remove that name. And just to give some context, right? The Washington, the Redskin name, and I, I'm quoting somebody um, who is from the Smithsonian Museum. And they say, and they are also a part of the uh, Native American, uh, you know, ethnicity. And a lot of people from the Native American ethnicity compare the word redskin to the N-word. What? Wait, really? I actually had no idea about that. Yeah. So originally, when the way the word redskin was originated was how to differentiate between two different Indian tribes or 
Native American tribes at the time. And like later on, basically that started to become more of a derogatory term and a more of a offensive term to Native Americans where Redskins were basically, you know, racially profiled. And that was a word that was used to speak down to the Native Americans themselves. Wow. And along with the name changes, I know there is uh, some big news with the Washington Redskins. You want to give us a little bit more detail about that? Yeah. So in addition to the name change, there have been a dozen women who came out and said they were sexually harassed or were subjected to a hostile work environment from the Washington Redskins um, you know, team themselves. These are people that are in, these are women that are in all kinds of positions in the Washington Redskins organization. That was happening while you are already under scrutiny of having a racist name as your, as your team name. That is ridiculous. How do you allow this as an NFL team and an NFL owner? How is this still tolerable in 2020? I mean, at this point in 2020, if, if we really look at it, I mean, I agree, like this shouldn't be tolerated whatsoever. And it's, it's crazy because I feel like this whole coronavirus pandemic has really shown sides of people that we've never expected. Like we always think our world is, you know, full of racist people and full of like those that do are, are okay with systemic racism. But when we look at it, imagine how, in negative context, it's been put onto our world. Like a lot of people don't enjoy coming to the U.S. as much as they do anymore. U.S. is looked at as one of the worst places to come to since this pandemic. And it's not just because of the amount of deaths and the amount of cases that have been rising in this nation, but just the amount of like hostility and like political move, like pol- not political movements, but just like yeah, all political. The politicking. Yeah, there's a lot of political tension. There's a lot of racial profile. There's so many racial issues now. And I'm so glad that this year that things have come to light and people are taking time. I mean, let's be honest, without the Black Lives Movement happening, without all this racial tension, there's no way that the Redskins changed their team name, right? The only reason they changed their team name is because their stadium sponsor told them that they needed to change their name is because Nike told them they needed to change the name. And so many other sponsors, which they make so many money, so much money off of basically said, you need to change your team name. That is the only reason why the Redskins have changed it. It's not because Daniel Snyder thought it was, you know, from the goodness of his heart that he needed to change. It's not any of that. He went out there, earlier on when he took over this franchise and he was told many times, please change your team name. It's racist. And he said, no, we will never, you can take this in caps, never change our team name. That's what he said. And, and you, how do you put up with that? I mean, Alicia, do you remember Donald Sterling from the LA? Oh Clippers? yeah. And, that, and that's what I was just about to get to. I remember that scandal where pretty much uh, he took Blake into, and I believe it was his office or it was some sort of like forum where he pretty much stereotyped uh, and actually had his conversation with his wife about, you know, not liking black players on his team. Uh, and I think that was like the short context of it, but essentially that affected guys like Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, who's of half and half mixture, Jamal Crawford, uh, just to name a few people. Yeah, exactly. And what did the NBA do to Donald Sterling? Uh, they literally kicked him out as an owner. Like he's literally banned from coming to any NBA games, starting with the Clippers games. Is not even allowed to associate exactly. himself with they the for- NBA whatsoever. Exactly. They forced him to sell his team. They're literally, like, you have to sell your team. You are no longer welcome to the NBA family. You are no longer welcome to the NBA community. And I mean, you ha- we have to ask ourselves: Should the NFL do the same to Daniel Snyder? 
I mean, yeah. Look, you have 15 years, or not 15 years, I'm sorry, like more than 30 years of whatever allegations that you have with 15 other women, like dozens of years have passed by and all these allegations are happening under your watch. You're the GM, you're the owner, you're the person who's pretty much putting their face on the name of the Redskins. And for you to say that, oh, and on top of that, no offense, and this is a separate topic, but the Redskins are a pretty terrible team at the moment. So on top of being a terrible team for the past few seasons with mediocre players, and then on top of that, you want to have all these allegations that pop through to put the cherry on top. While having a racist name. While having a racist name, with all three combined that together, you're telling me that you feel like you should stay in as an owner. Absolutely yeah. not. And I read an article earlier this week that a lot of the minority owners of the Redskins are trying to sell their stake in the company. They don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to be associated with, with the name Redskins, or they don't want to be associated with the Washington team that's going to be playing now, right? I, I agree, yeah. There was, there was I, allegations brought up against the Dallas Mavericks, right, a few months ago with some harassment happening, right? What did Mark Cuban do? He went up there, he took ownership of the issue, and he addressed the issue right away. He kicked the people out that were doing it, and he owned up to it, and he took it. Mark Cuban today went out there and told Daniel Slander that if he wants to get through this, he needs to take ownership of this and say, this is on me. I will take all these steps to make sure this doesn't happen in my organization. We're still waiting on these messages. We don't know sorry is going to make things go away, Right. First, you were racist by having this name and continuously having this name after Native Americans have been protesting this name. Secondly, you let sexual harassment happen on your watch. This is, that's two huge strikes. People get fired for both of those things at any job they work at. Why is the NFL holding, not holding Daniel Snyder as accountable, right? There's, if, if it took Nike, their stadium, all these other sponsors for him to change the team name, what is it going to take for him to just get rid of the team at this point? Because at this point, the NFL was late to come to a lot of the political justice like moments, right? They were on the wrong side of history many times, right? They were on the wrong side of history with the kneeling and the national anthem. They were on the wrong side of history with the Black Lives Movement, right? And now, are they going to find themselves on the wrong side of the movement again? You have an opportunity to say, hey, we understand that we were not a part of the progressive picture before, but let's take the stand and let's get rid of this guy. Like there's, there's no need in the NFL for people like this. I absolutely agree. Uh, literally, I do hope that Washington and Don Rivera and, every, and everybody working with Ron, the Washington Rivera. Yeah, Ron Rivera. Sorry, I don't know why I said Don Rivera for some reason. I'm thinking yeah. about some random, random person. My mistake. But yeah, Ron Rivera and pretty much everyone else working with the Washington organization. I do hope that you guys are literally working together to come up with a new team name and that it'll definitely reflect on hopefully a new image for the state or pretty much everybody associated with Washington. Yes, definitely. I think it'll all start with a strong team name and then hopefully there's Changes taken. I mean, if Daniel Snyder is staying as the owner, then he needs to take ownership and he needs to make changes happen now. He needs to make sure there's new protocols in place so that things like this do not ever happen again on his watch. Um, and I think he needs to be held super accountable for everything that's happening. So yeah, with that, I mean, that's, that's the big topic. I mean, I'm pretty sure next week we'll have more to talk about this issue. Um, especially if the Redskins choose or Washington chooses a new name and it moves on. So 
Um, uh, I, I agree. Uh, if, especially uh, for all of you people who are uh, listening to this podcast right now, especially all the non-sports lovers, um, if you guys have an insight to pretty much how you feel about this issue whatsoever, please uh, send us a message, uh, you, know, write, uh, you know, write some comments to us, uh, post a video, do what you need to do to put your voice out there because every voice does matter and literally all of you guys matter in terms of this issue. So please, by all means, I suggest that you guys highly make some sort of post that describes your views and your opinions based on this issue. But also, and I'm not going to lie, man, that was a, that was a big appetizer to uh, take yeah. in. Uh, but I know uh, we have our uh, brand new segment, which is called a uh, payday. No, 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 no. You got to put more emphasis. On it. It's payday. Oh. All right. <laughs> payday. So this week in the NFL, there was a lot of contracts signed um, by, a few players and I'm just going to name a few of the players that signed the contracts. So first of all, I'm going to talk about Derek Henry, Derek Henry, a running back got paid four years, $50 million. Now, if anybody has been keeping up with the NFL market in terms of the people who are getting play, uh, paid, it's not, it's the, it's not the running backs. The running backs are not really getting paid over the last few years. Many times teams just let good running backs go and they sign other running backs either through the draft or they draft new running backs or they sign other running backs for cheap and just play with that because that position is just not valued. But sometimes you do have that position being valued. Derrick Henry is a huge part of the Tennessee Titans offense. And I think signing him, on, signing him on for four years, $50 million is a good opportunity for the team to keep going with the formations that it runs and the style that it plays, right? They're a run first team. And Derrick Henry has proven over the last couple of years that he is a, he is a top NFL running back, right? We saw Christian McCaffrey earlier on this year, get his huge contract as well. And, you know, congrats to Derrick Henry now, you know, after last week's, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes news with the contract. I'm glad that other people are also getting paid. And speaking of other people getting paid, we have a huge defensive deal. Now, Patrick Mahomes signed the greatest offensive contract in NFL history. Miles Garrett is about to be paid the highest defensive contract in NFL history. He just signed a five-year $125 million contract extension with the Cleveland Browns. So you're looking at one of the top defensive ends outside of, you know, hitting people in the head with helmets. Let's just hope he got his anger management issues on lock. Um, he is an up and coming beast. He will be quarterback's nightmares for years and not just because he may hit them in the head with their helmet, but he's honestly going to be a sack machine. He's been great. There was a reason he was the number one overall pick, and he's proved it worthy, right? The number one position in football right now is the quarterback, and the second most valuable position in football is the guy who's going to hit the quarterback. Defensive end and edge rushers are the second most highly paid players in the NFL, and for a good reason. Because if you get after the quarterback, you know, that's you got to play. It's, it's just a game of chess for the NFL, right? Like you, it's either the person who's going to score the ball, which is the quarterback or score the touchdowns and the person you're trying to stop. So those are the two top positions in the league and miles Garrett, you know, congrats, got his 
money's worth. And staying on the defensive side of the ball, Kansas City signed a second huge deal this offseason. Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, who plays a lot of nose tackle for the team, signed a four-year, $80 million contract extension that could be worth up to $85 million with some incentives. And Chris Jones has been an absolute beast since he's come into the NFL. He has been the most consistent nose tackle, defensive tackle in the league, and now he has got his money's worth. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes is securing his side from the offensive side, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs secured their defensive star on the defense. So they're in good position. Congrats to these three for signing huge contracts this week. And every week, we'll, if there's a big contract announced, we'll have this segment that talks about people getting paid. All right. Thank you very much. Awesome. All right. So with that being said, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a short break uh, and uh, bring it over to our commercials. And uh, we'll go ahead and continue with our uh, big main entree of MLS and FIFA. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Ballerverse podcast brought to you by Anchor Music and Sound Production by DJ Ray Entertainment. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ballerverse Podcast. Now back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Ballerverse podcast, episode two, with your host, Alishan Lavani and Asad Babari. And we just had a taste of our appetizer talking about the NFL and the Washington blanks. So now we get ourselves into the main entree. Asad, take us away. We're going to move over from football Americano to football in general. Let's talk about the MLS or major league soccer now for those of you who do not know major league soccer is the united states soccer league and they just started back up a couple weeks ago and how they have started back up is in a tournament format so they currently have 26 teams in the entire mls and what has happened is two of the teams have opted out of the tournament those teams are fc dallas and nashville sc now there's 24 teams left and from those 24 teams, each team has been put into six groups. Each group consists of four teams. And the way this tournament is going to work is the two teams in each group with the highest points will move on to the next round, which is the knockout stage. Additionally, the third place teams, uh, the top four third place teams will move on to the knockout stage as well. Now, you may be wondering, how is the point system working? For those of you, who, of you who are new to soccer in general, this is how the point system works. So each team within each group will play each other. So there's going to be three games that each team plays. Out of those three games, they will be assigned points based off if they won the match, tied the match, or, had ze- or basically lost the match. So if you win the match, you get three points. If you tied, you get one. And if you lost, you get zero points. And that is how we are counting um, the points per system so or points per team now we're going to go into uh, uh, the mls standings currently in the tournament they have they're pretty deep into the tournament and uh it seems that there are a lot of teams that are already running away and moved on to the knockout stage so i want to just continue and talk about it so in group a you have orlando city and philadelphia sitting at the top tied with six points each Right underneath them is New York City FC with three points. 
and Inter Miami has zero points. Now, Inter Miami has played all three games, which means they have scored zero points after playing all three games, and that means they will be eliminated from the tournament. Okay? Now you have Group B, Toronto FC, New England, DC United, and Montreal Impact. Toronto FC has four points, and so does New England. Both of them are tied for the top spot. DC United has two points, and the Montreal Impact have zero points. Now, the Impact are still in it because they haven't played all their games, and the third place is really up for grabs uh, between all the, all the different groups. Now we're talking about Group C. Group C, you have Real Salt Lake City, Minnesota, Sporting Kansas City, and Colorado. Real Salt Lake and Minnesota are tied with four points each. Right behind them in third place is Sporting Kansas City, and Colorado has zero points. Once again, Colorado is not eliminated yet because they have not played all three of their games, and we'll see what happens with that third place spot. Next, we have Group D, where you have Portland, LAFC, the Houston Dynamo, and LA Galaxy. Portland is atop the table with six points. LAFC has four points, and the Houston Dynamo have one point. LA Galaxy have zero points. Uh, once again, not, no one's eliminated from that tournament because not everyone has played all three games. Group E, atop the table, is Columbus with six points. The New York Red Bulls and, the, and Cincinnati are tied for second and third place with three points each. And Atlanta United, unfortunately, our hometown team, Alishan, have zero points. And that has been quite the disappointment. Didn't they just win the championship like not that long two ago? Two years ago? Yeah, they won yeah. two years ago. I was there. Man, that's the that's the worst thing that happened. But also, you know, they've had injuries. You know, their their main players are out, so I understand. Um, now we're going to talk about Group F. Group F has San Jose up top with seven points. They have played all three matches, so they're moving on to the next round. The Seattle Sounders have also played all three matches, and they have four points. They will most likely be moving on to the next round as well. Chicago has three points. They still have one more match to play, and Vancouver has zero points. So we'll see what the turnout of the Chicago and Vancouver match will be. But that is the current standings right now uh, in the MLS. Alishan, let's uh, bring about our new segment, the Heat Check. So which teams do you think are the hottest right now in the MLS? All right, guys. So uh, before we even get into our Heat Check and Thin Ice segment, uh, let me give you guys a little bit of background of what this segment entails. So pretty much... In any sport that we're going to mention each week, there's going to be some teams that are on a heat check, which means that they're on fire. They're teams to watch out for. They're impressing everybody in the stands, as coaches, whatever. But teams that are on thin ice are teams that, well, unfortunately are in the downside of things, teams that really have it pretty bad this year. So just talking about the standings, the teams that are on heat check. That means the teams that are on fire. Let's start off with Orlando City. Orlando, Orlando City is currently 2-0-0, and and which means they have two wins, zero draws, zero losses. They've had five goals that they scored and two that were scored on them. But just talking about the five goals that were scored, three of them were scored by their left wing slash mid, Chris Muller. Chris Muller had scored one against Inter-Miami and two against New York City Football Club. So Orlando City is a team that you guys are going to really have to watch out for. The second team is Philadelphia. Again, two wins, zero draws, zero losses. They've scored three goals and had one goal scored on them. Now, here's the thing with Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't have a specific player 
that's really running the show. But their offense is really not that great because compared to all the other teams, they've had anywhere between 44 to 45% total possession, which means comparing this to the other team, that means other teams have had 54 to 55% ball possession. They've held the ball 54 to 55% of the entire game. So their offense isn't really that great, but their defense, considering the fact that they played their games and only had one goal scored on them, has been really stepping up this year. So Philadelphia's defense is really a defense to watch out for in the upcoming rounds of the tournament. Then you have Portland. Portland, again, two wins, zero losses, zero ties. And one man who scored two out of four goals of Portland's entire goals um, was Jeremy Ebobise. He's a forward. He scored one against LA Galaxy and one against Houston Dynamo. And last but not least, we have Columbus FC. And Columbus FC, guys, let me tell you something about this team. Two wins, zero losses, zero draws. That's not even the reason why I'm telling you to watch out for them. They scored six goals and had no goals scored on them. That means their defense made sure that no balls went into that goal. And one man had scored three of those goals in the two games that they had played. His name was Giazzi Zardes. And I don't know if I said his name correctly, but he's their forward. Scored two against Cincinnati and one against the New York Red Bulls, who also is in contention of going into the tournament higher-ups. So those are the four teams to watch, out, to watch out for. Orlando City, Philadelphia, Portland, and Columbus. Those teams are on the heat check. All right, guys. We talked about the four teams that were on heat check. Let's talk about four teams that are on thin ice. So starting off with New York City Football Club, they've had zero wins, zero draws, and lost pretty much all their games, along with Montreal Impact, Colorado, and unfortunately, Atlanta United. So that concludes our segment of heat check, thin ice. Now, moving on from domestic soccer to international soccer, let's talk about all the things that have been occurring in international soccer. Also, take us away. Yeah, let's start things off with the EPL, the English Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Wait, so, when did you turn British? What the heck? <laughs> when did you have a British accent? I've always been British. You just haven't known. Oh, this is interesting. All right, man. Go ahead. We'll try this out. So... In the Premier League, finally, Liverpool FC have taken the Premier League title after 30 years of Jesus. trying to win the English Premier League. I couldn't keep up with the British accent, but Liverpool, oh my God, you guys have finally won the English Premier League after 30 years. This team, let me tell you, is very, very special and very, very stacked, and they are very deserving of winning this title. So congrats to Liverpool FC. And while we're on the English Premier League as well, there's also the FA Cup going on. So for those of you who are new to international soccer, I want to explain how the English Premier League works. So in the English Premier League, and actually across multiple European Premier Leagues, there's two types of, I would say, seasons and tournaments. So in their seasons, similarly, how we talked about the point process, they can earn one three or zero points based off if they tie, win, or lose a game. And out of the 20 or so teams that win that tournament, um, basically whoever at the end of the season has the highest number of points will win the league. Now there's also a second thing called a tournament for most of these leagues. And in the English Premier League, they have something called the FA Cup, which is similar to the tournament that we had for the MLS. Now, 
um, in the FA Cup, there are four teams left in the semifinal. And this last week, we had quite the matchup. So in our first matchup, we had Arsenal beat Manchester City 2-0. And that was an amazing matchup with Patrick Pierre Aubameyang. I'm sorry if I said his name wrong, with two goals in that matchup. And then we had Chelsea beat Manchester United 3-1. And that sets up a great, great final matchup between Arsenal and Chelsea. And we will definitely talk about that upcoming matchup over the next week or so. Uh, The matchup is taking place on August 1st. So we will definitely talk about the pre-match and post-match over the next couple weeks. Now moving on from the English Premier League, we're going to talk about the Spanish Soccer League, and that is La Liga. So in La Liga, you guys have heard these team names over the years. Barcelona and Real Madrid. Every year it's a back and forth between who each team is going to win La Liga. And this year it was, congrats, Real Madrid, you've won La Liga. And this is an amazing accomplishment given the circumstances, right? They were behind at one point in the season by 10 points. And now they're the league champions. And even better, they had to change their manager, who's basically the coach of the team, halfway through the year. And their manager was none other than Zinedine Zidane. And yes, that is the guy who headbutted um, someone in the 2006 (laughs) World Cup final. Yes, he was a great player, but he's a great coach as well. In three years prior, when he was coaching Real Madrid, they won three straight Champions League trophies, right? And for anybody new to this podcast, the Champions League trophy is Europe's best. It's like Europe's prize. It's the best soccer team in Europe. And he won, the Real Madrid won that with Zidane three years in a row, which is an incredible achievement. Zidane left the team and Real Madrid was not the same. And finally, after a year and a half, he came back to the team halfway through this year after the team was down by 10 points uh, from Barcelona in the standings, and they came back and won every game after COVID to win La Liga. What an incredible accomplishment for Zinedine Zidane and all of Real Madrid. Congrats to them. Um, but now that leaves a lot of questions for Barcelona, right? There was, must be a lot of frustration from having lost the league, being up by so many points. Like, Alishan, what do you think about Barcelona? I know you're a big Barcelona fan as well. I mean, yeah. Um, my brother, he's a really huge fan of Barcelona, has a, a Messi shirt, a Neymar shirt. Uh, pretty much any name that you can mention, he's associated himself with. Uh, we usually play, used to play FIFA all the time. But aside from all of that, um, I know from Messi this year, he had the most goals and assists scored in La Liga with 50-plus goals and 21 assists, if I believe. So – that's the main guy in Barcelona was Lionel Messi, whether he was working with Neymar at the time, with Luis Suarez, with uh, anybody that you can name and mention. They had a great, like, great midfield, Biscuits. Um, they had a great defense, but mainly it was Messi who was the show. So the fact that it's like, it's like stating Kobe Bryant being taken away from the LA Lakers. How would the Lakers look like? And the Lakers are pretty mediocre the past couple of years after Kobe Bryant. So I don't know. I, if Messi does leave, I feel like Barcelona, they've pretty much have set themselves up for the future, but I don't think it's going to take them like a year or two. I feel like it's going to take them maybe five or 
even 10 years for them to get back into their main prime of where they were when they had Messi on the team. Yeah, if Messi ever leaves Barcelona, I have no idea what they're going to do. That's been their leader for years, man. I mean, so many players have come on the team. Neymar, Luis Suarez, uh, Sergio Busquets, as you mentioned, like so many. They used to have Andres Iniesta. Um, There's so many young players now on that team, like Dembele and Vidal. And now I feel like they're getting to that point where, you know, Messi has to decide if he wants to, you know, continue with this team or move on somewhere else, right? And, I mean, you have, um, you have someone you compare him to all the time, right? Him and Cristiano Ronaldo are always thrown into the same conversation of who's better. And, you know, Ronaldo has done great things, and he's done them in three different leagues. So, you know, there's always going to be that comparison. Does Messi want to always stay in La Liga or does he want to venture into the English Premier League or Serie A or Bundesliga or some other European league? And I speaking mean, of... I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Speaking of the Bundesliga, yeah. Um, yeah uh, let's talk about the Bundesliga. For those that don't know what the Bundesliga is, this is Germany's soccer league. Uh, pretty much... Bayern Munich has been the one team that a lot of people know of when they think of Bundesliga. They've pretty much won their eighth straight title. And if I believe this is their 29th overall title since 1963, the most amount of titles won out of any German team in this league. So the fact that Bayern Munich had won another title again, I got to give them props as the alpha male of that entire Bundesliga. So congratulations to you. And Alicia, who was the last team besides... um... Bayern Munich to win the title. Oh man, it was a uh, what's your face? Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Oh yeah, freaking uh, Goetze. Remember that team? Goetze. Uh, then Robert Lewandowski used to play for them that year too. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. They had a lot of really skillful players on that team. So Borussia Dortmund, and it usually is Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich in the conversation for the two best teams in Bundesliga. So. Bayern Munich is usually the team that always conquers all the time. So congratulations to you, Bayern Munich. Um, But now moving on from uh, Bundesliga, now over to the Italian league, Serie A. So Serie A has a lot of teams in there. Uh, One team in particular, Juventus. And now here's the thing. I want to make sure that everyone understands. Serie A has not have a champion yet. They do not have a current champion yet. Juventus right now is leading as their first place team. Most likely going to be winning the championship, in my opinion. They have one man, and also just talked about him in comparison to Messi. This man, and let me explain this to you guys. They scored 50-plus goals in three different leagues with Man United, with Real Madrid, and now with Juventus in EPL, in Serie A, and in La Liga. Cristiano Ronaldo, this man, 50-plus goals in three different leagues. He is the first player ever to have done this and fact check the first player ever no other person has done this in three leagues imagine and this is a conversation what if Messi ventured out to two other teams in Syria or even in a different league or even in EPL could he accomplish the same thing that Ronaldo has done I mean Ronaldo doing this makes you one of the best if not one of the greatest players to play soccer alive Ever. (laughs) He's done it in three different countries, three different leagues, not to mention on the international scale as well. I mean, every year this, like, you know, it's Ronaldo and Messi thrown back and forth every year. And I think, I think like we discussed, is Messi going to stay in in Barcelona or is he going to venture out and, you know, try to cement his legacy in other leagues as well? I mean, 
Ronaldo has cemented his legacy in three different leagues now. And, you know, it's up to Messi now what his, what his standing is going to be. Exactly. And with that being said, uh, man, that, again, was a lot to eat up, Aslan. I'm not going to lie, man. A lot of that soccer. Whew. Yeah. It's great. It's great to have sports back, my friend. <laughs> yes. Welcome back to Sports America. Yeah, All right, so, guys. Oh, sorry. I was going to say. Oh, no. You get, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, let us know for any of you soccer fans out there, if there's any topics or anything else you guys want us to bring up. There was a lot that was brought up today. Um, if there's anything you guys want us to debate, if there's anything that you guys want us to bring up, please comment and let us know. Um, also, please, us- please let us know. And sorry, I said to cut you off, man. But on topic of that, fun fact about uh, myself, I was a soccer coach for two years. Um over at Morrow High School, located in Morrow, Georgia. Our first year when I was a soccer coach, we were one game away of playing against four of the top teams in Georgia in the same division. We were one game away from making it to the playoffs. Our second year, we got moved to another division, and we got third place, five wins, three losses in the region. Our last game, we won 12-2. to And I'm happy to say, but my boys made it over to the playoffs against Houston County, where uh, UGA's former quarterback, Jake Fromm, was from. And, yeah, Fromm, Fromm, ha. But, really, we uh, got ourselves into the playoffs after 30-plus years. So, trust me, when Usla tells you, let us know anything about soccer, what we want to talk about, we are really knowledgeable about the game of soccer. We have a really good field experience. Um we understand how positioning works. We understand the team situation. We understand the politics and everything behind soccer. So by all means, please let us know if there's any questions that you guys have about soccer and if there's any topics that you want us to bring about on the show. Yeah. And I definitely want to give a shout out to um, our content correspondent, Azam Saji, for providing uh, a lot of the content this week for the soccer uh, portion of this podcast. Um, and with that, we're just going to take a really quick break. And we'll be right back with some closing statements and the NBA. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Ballerverse podcast brought to you by Anchor, music and sound production by DJ Ray Entertainment. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ballerverse Podcast. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Ballerverse podcast, episode two. You're here with Asad Babwari and Alishan Lalani. Alishan, what is the dessert? All right, guys. So we're here to talk about the NBA. For those that don't watch the NBA, that is the National Basketball Association here in the United States and also Canada. So uh, just to recap some news. Uh, so pretty much the way the NBA has been uh, – playing out their entire season uh essentially july 30th is when that all the nbas or pretty much continuation of the 2019 2020 season will occur will be on july 30th all nba players that are participating in the season will be in the florida bubble in uh one of the walt disney um locations and pretty much they've created and designed 19 different courts for players to play on for teams to practice on and there'll be no crowds. So absolutely zero crowds will be allowed to attend any of these games while they're happening. Some good news that comes out of this, though, is according to Shams Charania, uh, 
lead NBA insider. Um, he pretty much said that zero players, and from him, zero out of all the 346 players that were tested did not come positive testing for coronavirus. So, and Alishan, I just want to assure our audience, there was some news of a few players like Russell Westbrook having COVID. We just want to make, them, make it known that these are all the players that are currently inside the bubble. The players that tested positive for COVID have not traveled to the NBA bubble. I just want to make that clear. That's correct. And this test was, and these test results since the last test on July 13th has been confirmed that zero of all the 346 players, all their tests came back negative. So that's a really good sign that the NBA is taking as much precaution because what they're asking their players to do is while they're out, out of practice, while you're in the locker room, while you're walking aside, you know, standing next to another player from another team, you're required to wear your mask. You are always required to wear your mask. Once you get inside the court, do what you need to do, do your practice, leave. They want to make it as safe as possible for all the NBA players. Right. And in addition to that, um, this week there was an article released saying that the NBA has this like complaint hotline where if there's any violations of COVID being seen or the COVID guidelines being seen in the NBA bubble, they can report it. And there's been plenty of reports and I just want to make this known. I think, you know, the whole, like it's been called the snitch hotline, but let me tell you this, this is a really serious situation. So if any player breaks the COVID rules and God forbid contracts COVID, this season is over. The NBA season will be over if anybody inside the bubble has COVID and gives it to other players. So this is very serious. So if the NBA players are quote unquote snitching, I think that's okay. Let it be because I want basketball to happen. I want everybody to be safe. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters is the player's safety. If the players are not safe and if the players are not following the COVID guidelines, they will not be safe. So the number one concern is player and personnel safety. And, I agree. Um, and it's super important that we do take as, as much precaution as we can as fans to understand what the NBA players are going through, and we're doing our best to support them. Uh, one player in particular, Zion Williamson, um, for those that do know the name, or for those that don't know the name, actually, for those that do, you know who he is, but for those that don't, well, this guy was the number one prospect coming from Duke University, along with two other players, Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett. Um, but Zion Williamson, the number one player in the, in the 2019 NBA draft class. Unfortunately, he had to leave the Orlando facility to tend to a family issue. Um, he is asked to stay with his family, get himself self-quarantined for 14 days, and then whenever he's ready, return back to the Orlando facility. So Zion, whatever the family issue is, which we're not uh, well known of yet, we do wish you farewell, and hopefully that this family issue is tended to pretty soon. All right, guys, shifting gears from COVID protocols now to systemic racism and how the NBA is taking action about that. So NBA players have expressed their um, concerns and also their opinions about Brady's messages on the NBA court. So what the NBA has allowed players to do is for approved messages to be written on players' jerseys, on the back of their jerseys, on the back of their sweatshirts, any pretty much any quote or any saying that they want to put uh, relating to Black Lives Matter, to any social injustice movements, whatever knowledge that they can present to the fans that are watching the NBA games. So I'm glad that the NBA is doing their best to make sure that not only are we in, are, not only are we aware of 
all this is all pretty much the systemic racism that is occurring, but what are we going to do about it to be a united front and answer to this systemic racism? Yeah. And as we mentioned on the beginning of the show, right, as opposed to other leagues, the NBA has consistently been at the forefront of social injustices. You know, these movements, they allow their players to openly speak out about these issues. Right. And, you know, I think it's a great platform for them. These players are looked up to. The world is watching. It's a great platform to give these messages out and give support for these social injustices that are happening. And I think kudos to the NBA for doing that. Good job, NBA. Keep doing your keep doing your stuff. And uh, last but not least, uh, getting away from the COVID and from the systemic racism, I want to talk about the NBA awards. Now, for those that don't watch the NBA, the NBA pretty much awards players for their achievement for certain different things and also awards coaches for pretty much doing their job. So one prestigious award that's been presented around the NBA is the League MVP Award. And also, let's, uh, let's talk about this uh, MVP Award real quick. All right, so what's there to talk about? I mean, clearly there's a clear winner here of the NBA awards. I mean, the MVP award, the most valuable player in the NBA right now is Giannis Antetokounmpo. That is blasphemous. According to Stephen A. Smith, bro, that is blasphemous. (laughs) Come on, look. Giannis is a great player, all right? I will admit to that. Giannis has been a star for the past three years. This man grew i'm talking about grew went from being six foot eight to six foot nine to now being seven feet tall yeah, this he grew, man and now he's the most efficient player in the nba he has the team with the best record he has more points than lebron he's averaging a, a what almost a double double every single game i mean lebron, LeBron is man. doing the same thing but okay, lebron look. has anthony davis please tell me that anthony davis is equal to chris middleton Oh, I'm not saying he's equal to Chris okay. Middleton. I, I, I agree with that. But I'm also saying that that's who the Lakers all have. See, at least with the Bucks, they have role players and even role players on back of them. They have their bench also supporting them. The Lakers, you literally have LeBron, who's pretty much his passing. And if I may, his assist game and his point games is where he's scoring his double doubles. But again, we can have the LeBron Giannis debate next week when we talk about who we believe should win MVP. Mm-hmm. But not to discredit anybody else that's also in contention for this title. James Harden is also a fan favorite. You also have Luka Doncic, up and rising second year star who's now being asked, or not even asked, but his name is put in the ballot for MVP. Anthony Davis, who we just mentioned, he literally is emerging as probably the best big man that's out on there. So there's still a lot of people who are in contention for this race, but I think you and I both know that if anything, it's between both Giannis and LeBron James. Oh, 100%. It's got to be between them. I mean, those two are the best team. They're on the best two teams. They've put up the best numbers throughout the year. And let me tell you this. Look, this is my only point. I know we're going to discuss this even more next week. But with Giannis, he won MVP last year. And his numbers are even better this year. So how do you even top that? That's my last point with Giannis. That's all I got to say. But we can continue this next week when we, when we talk about Harden and Doncic and everybody else being in this race. And we'll, we'll go through all the awards, right? Who we think is going to, now that the NBA has made the announcement, we will go through this week. We'll analyze the stats. We'll do our analysis. And we'll come back next week and we'll tell you who we think should win every single award that the NBA is going to be awarding. So with that, we just had a scrumptious de- dessert. So now... 
Um, before we even get to the end of the show and just uh, kind of talk to you guys about our show, we kind of want to go ahead and pretty much give our well wishes to players currently who have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, both players who are actually from the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Pat Connington and Eric Bledsoe. Um, Eric Bledsoe did mention uh, to ESPN in a statement that I am asymptomatic and feeling fine. I look forward to joining my teammates in Orlando once he does feel better. And we do wish Pat Connington and Eric Bledsoe, along with 72 NFL players as of July 10th, who have all tested positive for coronavirus. We wish all you guys nothing but the best recovery and a speedy recovery at that. Yep. And um, to add to that, I think what Russell Westbrook also reported uh, having tested positive for COVID, but once again, he did not travel with the team. And now luckily, you know, he has recovered from COVID and he will be joining the team very soon. But, but guys, look, Russell Westbrook, and I'm, I'm sorry, this is, this is off topic on, on this, but Russell Westbrook, no offense, man. You pretty much pulled a really dumb move by getting that coronavirus. You, along with Reggie Bush and an entourage, go to a party in Vegas at the Wynn Hotel, June 13th. Really? No mask? No nothing else, man? You can't do it at your own place? You can't chill? Guys, I respect Russell Westbrook, but please, be safe out there. Don't think that you have to go to parties and enjoy yourself at the moment. Enjoy yourself at home. Do your best to be home and be safe because who knows? Eric Bledsoe was asymptomatic, yet he caught the coronavirus. So it could happen to you. It could happen to me. It can happen to us. It could happen to anyone. Let's hope it doesn't happen, though. And we need to do our best to make sure we're taking all the safety precautions we can while we're in this whole process of coronavirus. Yeah, definitely agree. And, um, you know, well, luckily, Westbrook's recovered now. He can join his team. But just hopefully once he's in the bubble, he's smart. Um, and same with the rest of the players in the, in the rest of the leagues. The MLB starting, uh, started up this week also. MLS has been going. The NBA. Just everyone be safe um, and stay safe. And um, with that, thank you for joining us for episode two of The Ballerverse. And Ali Sean, you have any closing messages Yes, guys. First off, thank you guys so much for helping us out. Uh, I do want to give a special shout out to uh, Usad's brother, Raheem, also known as DJ Ray. You can follow him on DJ Ray Entertainment on Instagram. Uh, you can also follow our podcast on Twitter at Ballerverse Pod. That's B-A-L-L-E-R-V-E-R-S-E-P-O-D. And also at Ballerverse Podcast on Instagram. Usad, you want to finish it off? Yeah, thank you guys for the feedback. Please continue to comment, reach out to us, give us any topics you guys want us to talk about. And just thank you for joining the show. And we're going to be signing off in three, two, one. 